drive. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode numero uno of the Blue Collar Syndicate show with myself, John McCarthy, and Mr. Albert. That's right. So here we are, episode one. This is a podcast we've been talking about for quite a few months now, just trying to get it in the works and get it all set up and going. It takes a little more than people say to get something like this started. We still had to run to Staples to get parts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a last minute ordeal. But why, why'd you start it? Why do we want to do it? Well, my reason behind it was, you know, I spend a lot of time, I'm a truck driver, so I spend a lot of time on the road listening to podcasts and other stuff. And I felt like there was a real disconnect between the upper part of society and then the really lower part of society. And there was this gap, which I would classify as the middle class blue collar type of people. My experience, there was a lot of podcasts of guys who grew up poor then got rich and called themselves blue collar because they grew up poor, but they never actually spent times in any type of blue collar job. They were just successful entrepreneurs, which is great, but I I don't think that quite made them blue collar. Didn't it really turn wrenchers or swing hammers, get hands dirty, run equipment type thing? No, I felt like it was just a lot of guys who, you know, started a, some kind of business or got into, you know, stock trading or, or, uh, real estate, stuff like that. And yeah. that's awesome and great, but I felt like there was an area that could be filled for people like us to talk amongst ourselves and to each other and maybe even hopefully let other people see kind of what the blue collar perspective really is. Cause it's not just, you know, we grew up poor, we grew up hard and you know, wake up before the sun, get home after the sun sets. Yeah. I think there's, I was telling you one time after the gym one night that some of the deepest conversations I've had have been just on the job site with some dude or, you know, after the gym where we stand in the parking lot for an hour and a half talking and there's a lot of insight and deep conversation there that I don't think people get to hear. And I think people should hear that type of stuff. Yeah. It's also a thing where blue collar also gets, it can get a bad rep. People look down on them. They're just dirty oil field people or construction workers. But yet at the same time, they're still still per people and just trying to educate get given a, a new perspective i guess well and i would say they're some of the most profound people you know i've i've worked in a few different industries mainly oil field and construction but you know some of the some of the most insightful conversations i ever had were with the most unsuspecting people you know i've worked with you know every color person under the sun you know, we've had, we've, I've had some interesting conversations <laughs> that could go any direction you want to go, but you know, I've gotten some great insight from people you wouldn't expect. You know, I worked with a guy who was here illegally. He'd been here for 20 years and some of his perspectives on work and work ethic and white people versus Mexican people. And just his, his, how he looked at stuff was super interesting. And when you just seen him, you probably, most people just said, Hey, there's another landscaper, but they wouldn't know, you know, the life he had been through and how he thought about things and how he explained his life and his, his perspective to other people. And it, it was one of those things that I was like, man, some people should really hear what that guy has to say. Yeah. You get a lot of different stories from a lot of different people that have very, I guess, different way of life. Cause all these different types of people just come together to get a job done, whether it's, building a house, building a road, laying a pipe in the ground or any sort of 
blue collar because the word blue collar is a very loosely used word because there's so many different trades that you can classify blue collar so like a mechanic oh yeah definitely and that's that's a huge deal and i think a lot of people forget that they a lot of people think blue collar and they think just construction or a, a dump truck driver or a trash truck driver that dirty you know city worker that picks up my trash every monday yep and that's one of the things that i think needs to be have a magnifying glass put on it is there there are you know there's goods and bads in the blue collar world for sure and there is that guy you're gonna have those guys that are dumber than a box of rocks and <laughs> their, their opinions are i would call invalid as much as people hate to say you can't say that about people's opinions but there's people who don't think about things but i think the big problem is the the other parts of society think that's the majority of blue collar when that's really the minority of those type of people. We're just a bunch of knuckle draggers. Yeah. Deplorables. (laughs) (laughs) So with the reason why we started it, um, because like you said, we talked about it during the gym, after the gym and just in text and conversation, what would be like a main goal? Like obviously we want to bring a perspective, but we want to educate, learn, um, bring in people and just like, what does it take to get from a laborer to an operator, to a management, to learning how to bid a job, learning taxes or starting a business. And then just what life in general, the life of a blue collar worker. Yeah, I think so. I think it's important for, for this thing to hopefully be a place where a lot of people can come for all kinds of different things. I want to, I think it'd be cool to have something where somebody Maybe you're not an entrepreneur spirited type of person and you like that comfort of working for other people and you want to build a life around that. And I think it'd be great to help those people and give them insight and talk about moving from the bottom of the rung to the top of the ladder and bring in other guys who have actually done that. You know, I, I know people that have started as a laborer and now they're the upper part management of million dollar companies and they, that's the path they chose and it, it made their life great. And I think it'd be, it'd be awesome to have people like that here and tell other people how to do that or, or the other path, you know, how to, how to start your own blue collar business or your own business, even if it's not a blue collar business, but maybe to get out of the blue collar life. Cause you're, you're tired of beating on your body so much and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause it, your body hurts after a few years. Oh yeah. Easily, you know? And then I think it would be cool too to take all blue collar people and actually get deep into some of these things that I know we've, like I was saying, I know we talk about on the job site, but you know, mental health problems, physical health problems, um, marriage problems are a huge problem in the blue collar society. Yeah. A lot of people travel, spend a lot of time away from home and then just long hours. They don't get to be at home. Yeah. And like, I can speak firsthand to both of those. I've, I've been away from home for a long time and I've been at job sites that are 20 minutes from my house, but I still didn't see my wife for two days. Yeah. That, that type of stuff, I think we need to talk about and educate each other on, you know, like the signs of the signs of it going downhill or, or we also use the term be your brother's keeper. We also like the, the person that's you're working with that might potentially be going through things like that, that might not be vocal. What are possible learning how to, um, observer uh, I, don't, I don't know the word notice those particular signs and then reach out yeah reach out is important i mean 
There's a time and place to David Goggins everything and get hard, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that gets thrown around hard, you know. I've I've had some of the toughest men you've ever met cry on my shoulder in a job site, you know, and that's it's awkward, but oh yeah, he needed it, you know, and I feel bad for what he's going through at the time. But there's people that go through some shit. He hid it. He hid it from himself and from everybody that kind of cared about him for too long, and it it ended up getting worse than it needed to be if he would have been able to speak up about it a little bit sooner. You know, we all give each other a hard time, tell us to rub some dirt on it or shut up or do this, do that, or, you know, tell your wife to make you a sandwich, whatever, <laughs> you know. And there's a time and place for that, you know. Some guys do need to harden up, and that is, that's another subject we, we hope to talk about at some point is, you know, people, expectations on job sites and lifestyles. And But I do think one of the bigger things is, like I was saying, people uh, – People trying to be hard when they don't need to be hard, and it, it gets worse. Yeah. Well, it'll be a lot of fun to go down said rabbit hole of learning, teaching, and meeting people because we can learn and show a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. And I know you you and me both have come up with kind of a list of some people that we think would be interesting to talk with as a group and get their perspective and put their perspective out for other people to hear. So do you think maybe we should give everyone a little bit of a background on you, you and myself? That way, the people that are listening just don't be like, oh, yeah, this John and Albert guy, they don't know. They've been doing this for two years or six months. They don't know dick about what, what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we don't. I mean, <laughs> it did just take us three hours to figure out how to use GarageBand. Well, so. I mean, when, when you're... When you grow up with technology, it grows very fast. So I understand why my parents have a hard time with the computer. And when they change a, UB, a USB to a USB-C, and you don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the other problem is, you know, you try to be fancy and go buy a laptop you don't know how to use yet. <laughs> and you also wait till the day you want to record to actually open everything you bought to try to record. You know, that has its issues on its own. But yeah, let's start with that. Why don't you tell everyone about yourself and your background and things you've do a do a brief i guess brief overview on things you uh you've changed in your life and you wish you would have changed or plan to change and how you think people would like to hear that and well that so stuff. i guess in most recent times i have come to realize that i am learning to not regret anything even though the shit things that i've done and been through i have learned that I've needed to do that to be, at least be the person I am today. But in 2010, when I graduated high school, I was, oh crap, where was I working? I don't remember. But I, right out of high school, graduated, and I went to work for a company, and within the day of my interview, I was told I was going, I was hired, and I was going to go to Alabama in two days. And I've never done anything for this company before, any type of work like that. So I had two days. Within those two days, day one, I got a phone call say, hey, can you leave today? And that, <laughs> was, <laughs> that was my journey into the blue collar world. And I went out and started doing a lot of environmental work on pipelines. I've been doing a lot of oil and gas work most of my um, career. And it's been, it's been fun. But I, it started in 2010. And I've spent at least half of those years, if not more, on the road going across the country from, like I said, Alabama, West Virginia, uh, Pennsylvania, Montana, up and that, you know, up and down from Canada to uh, Mexico and Texas, 
Oh, where have I? Well, I've been all over. It's been hard. I've done so many things. I've worked with helicopters. I've been winched off the side of mountains with dozers to hydromulch. Um, so doing the environmental side of things, you come in at the back end of all of the like oil and gas pipeline stuff because it's the very last thing to do for things to get signed off on for permits to close. So it's something that get, that mainly happens behind the scenes. So when you hear pipeline, you don't really think of a big John Deere green tractor going up and down planting grass. You think of dozers and excavators and side booms and laying pipe and semis all over the place. You don't think of a tractor and straw. <laughs> so I've been, I've been doing that for a little over a decade. Yeah. No, I've watched you do it over the years. I mean, in high school you worked at what the little grocery store in town and yeah i've had a job you worked since at re- grade. restaurant for a little <laughs> while and yeah you worked all over so and that's that's a unique perspective that a lot of people don't have some people don't even get a job till after high school or after college yeah well i wanted a cell phone because obviously when we were growing up cell phones were, were becoming a thing you know the flip phones the razor flip phone that everyone wanted and when I wanted the cell phone, my parents, mainly my dad said I needed to have a job and pay for it. So I went out and got a job at the local grocery store where we live. And I worked there for most of my high school years. And then I went and worked for Buffalo Wild Wings, worked for Carl's Jr. And then graduated high school and my world completely fricking changed. <laughs> As it does. Yeah, that's uh so how, when, growing up, how, how was that? Were you, were you really poor, really rich, middle of the road? Um, we were definitely, uh, as from looking at life now, I would say we were very middle of the road. You know, I didn't, we didn't really worry about where the next, next dinner would come from. My dad was a very, very busy guy. He started his own trucking company, hauling asphalt road base and stuff like that. So he was very busy, but he also did everything he could to be there for sports and you know be there as a parent but it took a lot of sacrifice for him to you know for work i remember when we lived in lakewood close to denver that he would be working 15 plus hours a day or even on short days and his truck broke he would come home and be up until 2 a.m working on it so that way he could be out working at 5 a.m so he i've I've definitely learned my work ethic from him where you put in the work to get what you want and that's what I do almost every day. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of blue collar people do kind of, for the most part, grow up in, in the blue collar realm. And that's kind of why we get there. Some people come into it from nowhere. You know, I've, I've met a few guys who parents were, you know, a, a banker or a car salesman and they're out there digging holes, you know? Yeah. And sometimes they just don't want to do, they don't want the same life their parents have like sometimes. Yeah. Oh Yeah. And and I guess that's that's the good and bad of everything. Um, I'll st- I guess I can start my little background. Uh, so for me growing up, you know, I had pretty blue. Co- I mean, I don't think you get any more blue collar. My dad was an electrician, and my mom worked at Walmart <laughs> for years. Um, and we were always, I would say, we were on the uh, the lower end of the middle of the road. You know, we we never. I have four, technically five little brothers. You know, we never starved, but we definitely had hard times. You know, I've seen my mom count change to buy groceries and I've seen cars get repoed and, you know, I've seen parents fight over money a lot. And that's, 
that's a good and bad thing. Um, it, it led me into the blue collar lifestyle for sure. And it also that seeing the bad side of that also wanted me to make sure wanted for me and my family to make sure it was a different kind of blue collar life. It you wasn't want to kind of travel down the same road or what? Yeah. Like I love blue collar and I love the life and you know, I, I couldn't picture me working in an office or anything like that, oh God. <laughs> but it, it did. I did. I did want a little different things. I didn't want to see my kids to see me and my wife fighting over bunny. Um, I want to be able to do, you know, make sure we're on the upper side of that middle of the road during my life at bare minimum, you know, it just made me strive for set some higher goals. You know, my, my long family history is ups and downs. And I kind of look at it as every generation should try to get better. So, you know, my dad's upbringing was a lot harder than mine. And I hope to keep the trend going and make my kids up upbringing a lot easier than mine was too. Yeah. Make it easier for the next person. Exactly. And then hopefully one day my family will be a nice, big, huge, loving and wealthy family. Um, so went through high school for the longest time. I've always been a bit of an argumentative prick. No, 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 no. (laughs) Most people that known me a while, uh, would, would disagree. But anyway, I, uh, I always wanted to be a lawyer and I had this idea of being the civil rights lawyer for years and got it. I was kind of, I went through phases in school. I was a weird kid. You know, I went through all kinds of goofy phases and wasn't always the most liked kid or popular kid or nothing, but I was going to go to lawyer. I was going to go to law school and try to be this awesome, super rich lawyer. Well, for people that don't know, we did go to high school together. So we've known each other for a long time. So yes, you were very (laughs) argumentative. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that all came to a instant end in my life story one day i was actually applying for a job at buffalo wild wings like somebody i know and i was sitting next to a dude who was a he went to medical school for 12 years and he could the way he phrased it to me is i could cut half your brain out and put it back in and make you walk out the next day oh wow and i said why are you here and he goes you know i wanted to be really rich so they said you need to be a you have a, you need to have some kind of specialty. You can't just be a pediatrician or something, you know. So he went to so school. So I'm going to cut a brain open. Yeah, so he learned how to do that. Um, 12 years of school, racked up a lot of school debt. Had to make these payments. Well, what no one told him when they were like, you need to get a specialty and you need to get all this stuff is you only need so many of those people in the world. And all those jobs were pretty much filled. So he said he was in his late 20s. He said he was probably going to have to wait another 10 to 15 years for some of those guys already doing that job to retire out before people were willing to give him a shot at it. Oh, in the shit. meantime, he had almost $1,000 worth of student loan payments he needed to make every month. So there he was at Buffalo Wild Wings signing up to cut chicken bones up, you know? Oh, wow. <laughs> so that that one conversation really made me think real hard. I was just like, that could be me. You know, I could go to law school and then not get a job and then you spent all this money to argue with people and yeah but for, lucky for me I, I had that conversation when i was 16 years old not not 22 or 23 halfway through college yeah already with or out of college like him and already sitting with all that debt yeah and then another defining moment is i was dicking off in class one day and this teacher is being a real douchebag about it and he uh if you don't get your shit together and you don't get to college and get a degree, you're not going to get a good job and all this shit. 
and I, I blew him off and then I was randomly just shooting the shit with my dad after school and I, at this point in time, my dad was on one of his upswings. He's doing really good, had his own business. Uh, he said, uh, why don't you go ask that teacher how much he makes every year? And then he handed me a uh, Banks, uh, is it a pay stub or something? I think it was a pay stub. might have been his just a screenshot of his uh, account balance. Like his monthly bank statement? Yeah. Anyway, my dad was at that time paying himself a little over 120 grand a year. And I go ask that teacher, and that teacher says, well, on a good year, I make anywhere from 45 to 60. And I oh, said, goodness. well, my dad told me to tell you <laughs> he makes a skosh over 120, and he's a high school dropout. So how did that make you feel? And he just told me to sit down. Yeah. Well, I mean, who was it? Steve Jobs, Walt Disney. A lot of a lot of very successful people never finished high school or even went to college. Oh, yeah. And that was the, those two defining moments, luckily, before I even graduated high school. They uh, they kind of concreted in my mind that I wasn't going to go to college. You know, it's it's it put me from a position where I knew where I wanted to where I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. So the only good thing is I knew I didn't want to go to college because what am like, what am I investing in? You know? Yeah. There's so many things you can learn. Uh, oh yeah. Like, and it's just cost money. So the only rule my dad really had was, uh, I had to graduate no matter what. Cause he didn't. And even though it took him a long time to get to a spot where he was happy, he, he would admit it was harder than it needed to be just cause he didn't have a piece of paper that said he graduated high school. And we were still definitely in a day and age where, I mean, hell, even Carl's Jr., if you weren't in high school, you had to have your diploma to have a job there to flip burgers. Mm-hmm. So that was still a real hard pushed into people's mindset. So I did that, and then I just applied for all kinds of dumb jobs, and none of them really worked out, and I ended up working for a good friend of my dad's as a CNC machinist for a while, uh, his little minion. What's and, CNC? Uh I can't even tell you what CNC <laughs> actually stands for. It's where the uh, big fancy machines take computer programs and take one chunk of metal <clears throat> and turn it into something really cool. You know, uh, it's computer programmed machines, you know, they cut metal, carve metal, do all kinds of cool stuff. And it was really cool because I got to see all sides of a blue collar job. I got to see the the backbreaking part. You know, you're picking up 80 100 pound chunks of metal and sticking them inside this machine and there's there's no easy way around doing that but then i also got to see my basically i call him my first boss really because the only other job i had short little stint working fast food in high school but those weren't nothing but my first real boss you know i got to see that like i said the back breaking part and i got to go see him sit at a computer with this crazy program and do all this coding and programming to make this machine turn this raw chunk of metal into something cool mm-hmm. so i got to see like Blue collar is not just the guy picking up the metal. You got to be able to go over there and run some technology people don't understand either. Yeah. And uh, did that for a few years. Um, in our area, oil field was real big. So naturally got a job offer for a lot more money going into the oil field. And as a young kid, that was more important to me. And even my old boss admitted I was – the CNC world is a – it can be a high-paying world when you get high up there. But – it takes a long time and he saw my impatience and he it would, takes a long time to like make a name. No, it, it's just, it's a slow road. You okay. know, you, you start out usually sweeping floors and then you start out being a machine operator, which is basically what I was, which is all you're doing is you're putting the piece of metal in the machine, 
you're watching the machine while it runs, you're changing tool dies inside the machine, and that's about it. Mm. You're stacking parts on pallets running a forklift. Then when you get past that, you start getting introduced into some of the programming stuff. And that takes years and years to get really proficient at. And uh, because like a lot of things that, like you were saying with the cell phones, that technology, although it's the same, it changes. You know, new new brand machine comes out and it's all different kind of controls. You know, it's not a manual lay the mill. It's a computerized one. And then there's this computer versus that computer and all this stuff. So it's just, it's a long road. And it's usually about, I think at that time he told me, you know, you're looking at roughly 10 years to break. This would have been back in like 2012. So in, in about 10 years, I could be, if I got good at the programming and I could do light programming and run the machines, then you break the $20 an hour range. Um, and then after, then after that, it's basically an experience versus numbers game. The longer you're in it, the more you're worth. Yeah. It's just that kind of industry where the oil field was, uh, the longer you can work, the more money you can make. So (laughs) the more you're willing to do to your body, I went to those jobs where I was working 12, 18, 20 hour days and the money per hour really wasn't more, but when you're getting a hundred hours of work, hundred hours a week versus 40, Mm -hmm. it's a big paycheck difference. So I went into that, uh, for a major corporation in the oil field for a few years I have a question for you. What was your your first check in the oil field? Did, when you got that, we were like, this is what I'm going to do? I went from making, I was probably getting like four to 600 bucks a week-ish at the CNC place. I mean, every once in a while I did good. We'd get overtime and being the young guy, I'd usually get the shit with yeah. working all day Saturday while everyone else was off. But um, I remember... I can tell you the second oil field job better than the first. The first one, I want to say my first check for two weeks was $1,900. So quite a difference. It was a big difference. (laughs) But again, it was almost quadruple the amount of hours. Yeah. Um, Then I took another oil field job where I got real lucky and I was put into a management position way sooner than I should have been. I was 21 running 50 trucks, had 50 drivers under me with about another 20 or 30 laborers and gave me a lot of experience and a lot of education. And I was quite the dickhead for a while and I had, I learned a lot from it, good and bad, but I can tell you my, uh, that pay raise went from, I was probably averaging close to the first company, two grand every two weeks. And that one I was getting about $1,800 a week. Oh, wow. Um, that was a mediocre paycheck. I had more, I had less. Um, and then as everyone knows, the oil field goes up and down. I left that on one of the downswings and I went to uh, underground utility work. I did that doing uh, fiber optics. I worked with a drill company, um, started as, I had a CDL, so I got hired because of that. Drove, some, drove a, a truck for him for a little bit and then I was a laborer for an operator. He got me into operating, um, just a mini X, but it's, I tell people, I probably learned better than most guys who get to jump into the huge equipment real quick. You know, working on a pipeline, you get to go take this big giant 336 excavator and go dig these big holes in the middle of a cornfield. I was in the middle of downtown Denver digging between two high pressure gas lines and a, you know, million volt power line all at the same time. Yeah. The li- the slightest twitch of this controller and a lot of people die. Oh yeah. And that came with the uh, ups and downs. So my operating experience came that way. So I actually learned how to be really good 
really tedious, but also really slow. And then after I, I did that for a few years and I went back to the oil field into a pipeline job where that kind of operating is not what they're looking for. They're looking for guys who can swing dirt real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, spent a few years doing that and I actually got more into doing like hydro testing on the pipeline itself. Um, bolt up facility work where you got to shut down a high pressure gas facility and change valves, stuff like that. The, the stuff that actually required you to be a little more careful than fast. Um, and then I did that for a few years and then I decided in the middle of COVID, let me start my own company. How'd that go? Uh, it's gone. All right. could be better. could be worse. I actually started, I went to go back to directional drilling and I was kind of in a partnership deal with this guy I used to work with and, um, it didn't go great. It could have went better. We had our differences that ended up making us part ways. Um, but it was a great learning experience. So once that happened, I was kind of like, well, I could, I have really good credit for a young guy. I could go buy a drill and start my own drilling company, but I'm not a big fan of that underground industry. That industry, at least in this area is kind of the same crowd that's been in it for 20 years. And it's just the same cycle of people. Once it's once Frank once Frank gets fired or quits from here, he goes to work for the next people, and they just keep rotating people in and out. Exactly, and they're all not the type of people I'd want to hang with on the weekend either. So uh, I'd always loved driving. My grandpa was a truck driver; got me obsessed with truck driving. That's why when I went to the oil field, I went straight for the CDL route, driving trucks, um, and I was. I was always following someone else's dream, trying to be an equipment operator or trying to do this or trying to do that. And, and then I kind of realized I should have never left driving. I should have just stuck with what I actually liked um, and not chased the dollar so much. Um, so, yeah, I, I was like, well, let's start a trucking company. <laughs> but I didn't have enough money to go buy a semi, at least not the kind of semi I want. I got a little bit of a high-class taste when it comes to that. Um so a big thing for a while, for a few years, has been hotshot trucking. And I was like, well, I got a three-quarter ton truck that I love. She's a good old truck. All I need is a trailer, and then I can pull my authority in. That'll have to be a whole separate podcast because that was a shit show and a blessing all at the same time. <laughs> but here we are about two and a half years later, and we're still going and slowly expanding and transitioning a little bit. But... Did you start pre-COVID or in the middle of COVID? I started right when they locked everyone down. Oh, so you were mid-planning everything, and then all of a sudden, er, the world came to a stop. I wouldn't call it planning. I was uh, So COVID started when I was working with that other guy doing the directional drilling. Um, I'll never... We were on a job that we didn't have permits for. So we got kicked off for not having permits, as we should have. Um when we went to get permits, they said, you can't have permits. Everyone's closed and went home because of COVID. So we were in this position where he didn't know what to do. He had four guys working for him, equipment sitting there and no job. Yeah. And all that stuff sitting there costs money. Yeah. And to his credit, he's resilient. He found us work. We did go find a job that we spent a few months on, but that job went to an end. COVID, they had to figure out, the cities had to figure out how to keep going. So after a few months, we went back to the Denver area. Uh, the job that he had found was actually outside of Denver, about 30 minutes outside of uh, Byers, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was awesome. We're, me and basically the other main guy that worked with us, we're both, we grew up out here in northeastern Colorado, so we're country guys. And getting out of the city was awesome for us. Yeah. So 
uh, that job was like two or three months and it was over. So this would have been about June. We went back to the city. The city had finally come up with, I guess, processes for you to get permits and, but everything was taking forever to do. Yeah, so, everything was backed up because they just shut everything down without a plan. And then they're like, oh, fuck, now we have to figure everything out yeah, with no one in the office. Because the world has to keep turning. Yeah. Know? So they, they've kind of got processes, but it was a really slow process. Um, we ended up having a few spats over the type of work we were doing. And I told them I was on my way out and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do anyway. And I we ended up parting ways in a little bit of an abrupt way. Honestly, probably the only job where... I mean, he might hire me back because I was good at what I did, but we'd have to have a long conversation probably over a few beers because it wasn't the prettiest day when I drug up on him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we we uh, I came home, and then I spent – I have a garage here, which we're recording in right now. Um, it's about 14, 15 – it's like 40 by 25. It's a decent size shop. So then I spent a few weeks working on people's trailers and trucks for them. And then I kind of got this idea, like, I could do this for a living. You know, I could just work on other people's stuff. I'm handy with a wrench. Um, that gets old quick, especially when you kind of like doing it on your own. You don't like doing it because you have to do it because someone's paying. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So I had to find something else, and I actually went, all right, I'm going to go back to work for someone else, but I'm only going to drive gonna go back to truck driving that's the one thing i decided i uh i was applying for jobs and i got a plenty of offers but all of them weren't near the kind of money i was looking to make mm -hmm. so then the hot shot thing kind of circled back it's always something i looked at because it's a really low barrier to entry equipment wise so I talked the wife in and let me use her credit card and I went and bought a trailer in Kansas. <laughs> yeah. The one time the husband <laughs> needs the credit card to go buy something. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a lot of blue collar people I know, you know, honestly, a lot of mine were maxed out from other stuff, you know? Um, so I talked to her and used one of hers that wasn't and I went and bought a trailer and got, got going. And like I said, I could, I could go on and on for a long time about that. I'd rather save that for a whole nother podcast, but that's kind of, I guess my short, my short background on just the work part of my life. Uh, yeah, I'd say the big thing that really drew the idea to the podcast for me is talking to you. You and me kind of went through similar phases, but differently. Um, you started a self-improvement phase kind of for different reasons than I did. But regardless, we were kind of both on this journey of self-improvement at the same time. Um, well, I mean, we've also we've also been we've kept fairly in touch with each other's lives throughout the years. You know, you know. As everyone knows, life happens. Your friends, you know, you don't necessarily quit talking to each other. You just, and it's not really a priority thing. It's just life happens. And you get busy and you get caught up where other things lie, but you also try to keep up with, you know, uh, what you need to. You, you know, you'll say you and I. And recent, in the most recent years, things happen where we started getting back in touch. Oh, yeah. Well, no, and that's, you know, that's, I guess, one of the good things we can say about social media is we, I got to see a lot of, what you were doing when you know when when you hit kind of your low and then decided you needed to change some stuff up and start self improving, and it was kind of the same time I did. I I left my family. I start you know the other part is about starting. My wife was like six months pregnant with our second kid, <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was pr it was right in the middle of COVID. Didn't really have like you had a job, but not yeah a, like a i guess a legit job mm -hmm. and you're like let's go max out some more credit cards and start a company yeah and i'm by the way i'm gonna be over the road 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be home while you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And I also need you to run the whole back half of my business because I can't do that from a truck seat. <laughs> yeah. she's, oh, a tro- she's a trooper as much as she, uh, I, I play it down sometimes just to make fun of her, but she really helped me out. Yeah. She really helps hold it together. Oh yeah. So yeah, that, uh, but anyway, yeah, I seen that the self-improvement thing you were starting to go down, you know, you were one of the things the difference that where it started, I guess, would be is I, I seen you, you were getting real on top of your physical. You weren't happy with how you, what kind of shape you were in physically. And I seen you really starting to change that. And that wasn't the road I was on at that moment. On that moment, I was still on a, I need to change, but it was a, I need to change in my head. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I've, I've definitely had my ups and downs in life. And one thing I decided I needed to change was, I know I had this conversation with you about somebody we know. He's probably one of the nicest guys anybody could ever meet. You know, everybody says his name and no one's got a bad thing to say about him. And one good thing about sitting by yourself in a truck for a long time, I kind of realized no one would say that about me. If someone said my name, you either had something good or really shitty to say about me. And I, I didn't like that feeling. We also have a friend that says that if we brought up your name, they're like, Oh, that, that mofo right there. Oh yeah. And, uh, (laughs) So as you were starting your improvement and you started with your, your, your physical fitness, not that you started, you were, you were doing that, but then you let it go for a while and then you came back to it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I started the, I need to improve my head, my, the type of person I am. And that's, I guess that that's what I thought was cool. You know, and so you, it was, it was mainly that thought of that guy that, you know, made you think, what would it think people think about me? And then that's where, how it kind of started or what? Kind of. Well, it started with honestly, as simple as it is, it started with podcasts sitting on the road. You can only jam out to your favorite 10 so much. Yeah. So I had to start finding other things to listen to when you're driving 10, 12 hours a day, all the damn time. Mm-hmm. So I started listening to podcasts, podcasts led to audio books and all this other stuff. And, uh, I got obsessed with mental wellness and physical wellness. I got obsess- I got a little bit obsessed with uh, dieting, stuff like that. Not that I wasn't doing anything physically. I mean, I guess at the same time you were starting to get ripped again. I, uh, I seen a picture of me holding my kid with my wife on, I think it was Easter, or maybe cri- uh, the Christmas beforehand. Um, so right at the end of that pipeline job, I... Uh, I was a fucking lard ass. I was five, seven, over 230 pounds. Oh, geez. Um, and I kind of, I always felt like I'm chubby, but I'm not a lard ass, you know, fuck all these guys talking shit, you know? Um, so I started dieting. I was never big on working out. I have my struggles with working out for sure. Um, but I lost over 55 pounds and it was a good feeling when everybody noticed, you know? Oh, dude, I remember when for one of our friend's birthdays and you and Haley showed up before you even announced your second pregnancy and you showed up with all the weight you lost. I was definitely shocked. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the thing. And so it was, it was those two things. It was like seeing people happy for me was cool. It felt, it feels great when people are like, dude, nice work and all that stuff. And then you only get so far with dieting. And then I kind of realized I still an asshole. So I was like, <laughs> how can I fix this? And it, it went down podcast. And that's when you were getting real serious at the gym and you started making some little comments about your motivational brand you started. And, uh, 
it, it was just cool because we were kind of on the same trajectory, even though yours was a little more physical focused at that time and mine was more mental focused. Um, I just thought it was cool that about the same time in life, we were both on this similar road of trying to get our better as ourselves. Yeah. As, as years ago, our highways kind of like split apart. They ended up curving back, going the same direction. Oh yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's part of why we're here today. Um, I know the podcast thing for me, not only did I, I so irritated when I'd hear some guy say he, he's a bodybuilder and he's blue collar. And I'm like, you're not blue collar, blue collar. People don't have enough time to spend in the gym to be a bodybuilder without steroids, without steroids. Yeah. Um, and I heard another guy saying, I grew up blue collar. My family's poor. My dad was alcoholic. That doesn't make you blue collar. That means you had a shitty upbringing. And if you made a success out of your life, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's not blue collar, dude. Your dad was a drunk car salesman and <laughs> your mom was the local town. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Um, she's a nice lady. Yeah. Very nice and friendly. But that was, that was some of those podcasts. I was like, you're not blue collar. You know, you don't know what that life's about. Or when I'd hear guys say like, Oh, uh, I don't think people's mind spending more tax money to help with this, this and that. And I'm just sitting here like, you know, in my blue collar family, we had to save money when we wanted things. Mm-hmm. And I'd hear these people talk about the government and their taxes and they would say all this stuff. And I'm just like, see, I know you didn't grow up blue collar enough because like you didn't have to save to go on a camping trip for a weekend. Yeah. And you think we should just tax more. Why don't you ask the government to save some of that money and budget better? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, so uh, there was that hole I felt where blue collar needed to be better explained and better talked about. But for me, it was also, I'm in a little bit, I was in a little bit of a rut with my business and, uh, you know, a lot of them guys, similar guys we listen to the motivational type, they say, uh, Hey, you need to, uh, when you get comfortable, you need to get uncomfortable to improve. Oh yeah. Dude, I say that all the time. Get uncomfortable. I remember I recorded my first video and I texted you and said, why didn't you ever tell me my voice sounded so fucking stupid? (laughs) 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 And I realized how comfortable I was on camera and hearing my own voice. And I was like, well, maybe we should push this because this is uncomfortable as fuck. Mm -hmm. I did that. So, um, on my, I do personal TikTok, and I used to record by myself all the time because I recently moved in with my girlfriend, but I would always record alone. And now I have to record with her in the same place. So that was a struggle for the first it's, I mean, it's still a struggle, but the only way to make the uncomfortable comfortable is to continue being uncomfortable. Yep. And that's, that's also why I felt another reason this podcast would be great. I feel like it'd be another step for both of us to improve, you know, putting like, it's not comfortable. (laughs) I mean, like I said, it took us what? Well, three almost four hours well, to even well, get I mean, going. I mean, we can do a quick time frame. We started the gym around 10 a.m. and that lasted for what an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And then we came back to start on the podcast, and it didn't really start until about what four o'clock, four p.m. Yeah. Or so, I, I so all so. that meantime was putting stuff together, figuring it out, and what buttons to push to make magic happen. Oh yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of buttons, by the way, guys. It's it's not as simple as opening your camera on your cell phone and hitting selfie yeah but yeah i guess that's more or less my long background in my my short term for the last couple of years so i feel like that's a amongst all that is a lot of stuff i've learned and a lot of stuff i feel i could talk about that would help other people relate to other people let other people know that they're not the only person dealing with that kind of whatever problem 
Yeah. Or especially the blue collar people. I know a lot of blue collar guys that get stuck. How do I say this? They get stuck being blue collar. They don't think they can do any better than using a shovel. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, so since I'm working in like, we've, we, we still do some pipeline, obviously oil and gas has slowed down tremendously, but when oil and gas was booming, that was, was a majority of our work. Thanks Biden. <laughs> and I mean, when you start what they call it, when you get, when you start out, what's the, what's the term? I can't, I can't remember. Um, when you, I don't know the word, but when you start in the oil field or whatever, you start running equipment or whatever, you start driving truck and you do that for a decade or five years and you start learning that's the only thing you can do and it gets complicated or intimidating trying to figure out something new to do when you don't want to keep driving a truck or keep running a piece of equipment because that's all you've done for 15 plus years and you don't know where to go because now you're going to be starting over completely fresh. Well, and the other part of that is not only do you get stuck because you're scared to start over, which I was for a long time, you get stuck in the career problem, but it also leads to being stuck personally. Um, like you're saying, you, you feel like the only thing you can do is drive a truck or run a piece of equipment or whatever that may be. You also feel like the only thing you can eat for dinner is hamburger helper. You also start thinking you have to drink a case of beer every weekend because that's what you've been doing. Which for you don't years. have to. Which you don't have to. <laughs> you do not. <laughs> You know, but that's what I'm saying. I, I see a lot of guys get stuck in, in just the circle. I call, it's just a circle. Yeah, it, 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 it's also a routine because, mm-hmm. I mean, when, when I started at the age of 19, it was travel, work all week, party hard on the weekends. And I did that for a very long time until a little over a year and a half ago when I realized I needed to quit drinking. Yeah, and guys, and I've met guys that have been doing that well into their late 50s, 60s. Yeah, and they've done they've done more than just drink. Oh, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I feel like a lot of people think because you're working a blue collar job that, that that is what it is. And it's not like you can like you're a great you're a great example of that. You can work a blue collar job with all those guys that like to party hard on the weekend. Doesn't mean you have to go party with them. Yeah. You can still have a great time at work with them. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't have to go kill a case in a line with them and on the weekend. Yeah. You don't need to go spend 150 bucks at the bar every Friday, Saturday night and then spend Sunday in bed with drinking as much water as you can get your hands on and slamming a bottle of Tylenol. Exactly. And that's kind of one thing I, I really hope people get from this podcast is uh, a self-improvement idea too. Cause I, I, I think it's sad. Sometimes I see those guys that they could be so much more than they are. Um, or their, uh, their lives fall apart because they just get stuck in that routine. Yeah. You know, it's, you can you can be blue collar and love operating equipment and swinging hammers or digging ditches with shovels and landscaping whatever your blue collar job might be um even if you're comfortable with your job you can you can always improve on your life as a person yeah and and you never know what improving your life will bring you you never know what kind of avenues you'll find doing that yeah and 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 i think i think a lot and I mean, a lot of blue collar people don't see that. They just see this is the life. Yeah. I'm going to work construction. I'm going to run equipment. I'm going to be making good enough money to have a camper and a boat. But in my 30s, we're going to go camping trips. I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to repeat that. Yeah. And that's, and that's all it's going to be. And that can be fun and that can be awesome. But, you know, you could also lose 20 pounds and live longer. You could lose 20 pounds and make that weekend on the boat at least a little more fun. You, can, you could also remember it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Remembering it is sometimes a good thing. Sometimes it's a good thing not to remember some things. But <laughs> I mean, when when you're tied off with seven boats and the hot girl with fake boobs takes her top off, you want to remember that. <laughs> That's a good visual. <laughs> yeah. Um, that uh, but that I think it's disappointing to see that like. You know, I have good friends that are stuck in that circle and I have good friends that have got in and out of that circle too. You know, I've got, I've, I've worked with people who have, you know, been the type of guy that's slamming, you know, 24 rack of beer every night, spending half their paycheck on Coke all week. And then they got out of it Mm -hmm. and they started improving their life, but they didn't see the result they wanted to see fast enough or their other blue collar friends that are still doing that suck them back in and then they're back to it again yeah yeah it's definitely hard to make your way out of that vicious circle yeah well and it's also hard when you're if say you are the blue collar guy on the job site trying to improve your life um you're you're the, you're the odd man out you are you really are um most of the time sometimes it's like uh you can find you got to look for it though um, you can sometimes find some similarities and if you work with a good, good group of people, some people respect that, you know, on the pipeline, I worked with some hard motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, let's just say at our Christmas party, you probably could have, uh, made a few dollars off of sweeping the bathroom floor, <laughs> but those are also the guys that when I lost a bunch of weight, were like, damn dude, you're looking good. You know, um, they respected that. They also respect that I wasn't the guy in line at the bathroom during the Christmas party, Yeah, you know? So there was a rough bunch of guys, but there, a lot of them were still good guys. Yeah, they also had that respect. Exactly. And you got you to gotta find that, but you also got to seek it out. You yeah. can't just let their habits and their, their way of life dictate yours. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. So, yeah, this podcast, I think, will be a great place for that because I think we come from a similar mindset where you can be uh, – you can be a blue collar guy on the job site having fun, you know, hitting your buddy in the dick with the end of a shovel handle and, you know. <laughs> Tell them to hold a concrete bag above their head and then have someone sneak up behind yeah. it and cut it open. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, but you can also go to the gym and get in better shape. You can also go home and work on your marriage and actually have a better marriage. So when you go home from work, it's not miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've met guys that were workaholics and a lot of that was because their home life was miserable. Um, I was a workaholic and full disclaimer, it wasn't because my home life was miserable. It's because I was obsessed with money. Um, but it did put strain on my marriage quite a few different times throughout my career. Yeah. It took a lot for me to, when I, when I quit, when, right before I quit drinking. So right when obviously it was at its peak is when I, it came out and was like, I can't, I, I work so much because I don't want to be home. Yeah. And then it, it it, it was hard to say, but once it came out, it was like, wow, yeah, this, this, this is kind of true. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's exactly the same moment I had when I said, most people probably think I'm an asshole. Yeah. You know, it was, it was hard to like, like I said, that mutual friend of ours, you know, I, anybody who knows him was like, yeah, he's a great guy. Nothing bad to say. Yeah. You know? And then I was thinking about me and I'm like, I've had friends where I've had to help them fix their car in the middle of the night. I've had to tell them home. I've had to go help them fix something. I've had to go way out of my way to give my hand. And yeah. most of them would say I'm a helpful guy, but to the rest of the world. Yeah. It's only that, that group. I'm that fucking asshole, you know? Yeah. And I was like, that. it's a good feeling knowing I'm a good friend, but it's also a bad feeling knowing that a lot of people think I'm a fucking douchebag at the same time. But I, I mean, being 
consciously aware of the way people think of you is one thing, but then also at the same time, who can I can I say fuck on? <laughs> who fucking cares? I think I already did. Okay, <laughs> I might have too. But yeah, no, it's you get those self realizations, and you gotta you gotta take them seriously. You know, you can't just ignore them, and you can't let other people tell you to ignore them either. Um, but back to the being on the job site, you know, like you were saying, you're usually the odd man out, but I'd like to let people know like, it it doesn't matter if you're the odd man out. Um, you gotta, you still have to do what's best for you and your family. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that's something this podcast can bring people and, and I don't want to beat a drum. I don't want to say this is like all a self-improvement here, a piece of shit blue collar guy who needs to quit drinking. That's not what this is all about. That's just, that's just where we're, we're personally at in our lives. Yeah, no, it's definitely where we're at. And I, and I, and I think it's probably one of the biggest subjects, but you know, to to go back to what we're talking about in the beginning, you know, this is say, say you feel like your personal life is great, but you want to, you want to figure out how to make management. Yeah. You want to, you want to learn numbers to make a bid for that job coming up. You want to make not not necessarily make a name for yourself, but you want to prove that you can do it in your job Yeah. for the business that you work for. Or say you're coming out of high school, like what we did. Where do you go? How do you start? What kind of mindset do you need? What do you need to expect and stuff like that? Oh yeah, definitely. So I think, I think it's a good place for a lot of things. And I think uh, we both bring a lot to the conversation. And I also think, you know, like I said, bring, bringing other people in to talk will be really cool too. Because I know we both know some people that have started their own businesses so they we can talk a lot about stuff like that we know people who do side hustles that are really successful we can talk about that and we both know people that you know they work for someone else but they're still really successful you know yeah. you, you don't there, have to be a business owner to be successful there, there are very good companies out there that will make you want to continue to work for them not not you know not that way you don't have to necessarily go start your own business but they make it enjoyable to work for yeah and hopefully too bring a lot a lot of to the conversation of uh I, I'd say to the younger guys, you know, if if you're listening to this, I hope to talk a lot about what I wish I would have done younger that would have changed my trajectory and made it a lot better a lot sooner. Yeah. Cuz I feel like that gets left out a lot cuz sometimes we're too busy giving shit to the young guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely give shit. Yeah, we're too Until busy. Tell that new guy to go do something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Go get a sample of air from this thing. <laughs> I need an air sample. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I always lived on the pipeline watching helpers uh, catching sparks with trash bags for metal samples. <laughs> you know, good stuff like that. But I, I do feel like uh, that's one thing I got lucky with a few times is I worked under some guys that were really good and they really told me what to look for and what I should do yeah. if I want a certain thing. Um, but I've also been trapped under guys who didn't give a shit and that, yeah. that doesn't give a shit is probably the most cancerous thing on a job site. Yeah. It'll, it'll ruin an entire crew real quick and you don't want, you, you either don't want to be there or you just don't give a shit about what you're doing. Oh yeah. So what do you want out of this podcast, John? Now that I've been rambling for like an hour. Uh, you just do your, your lawyer stuff and you, you do all the work. So I'm good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, I, I'm doing more self-improvement things. Uh, as we said, I quit drinking. So I'm just more on bettering myself and others. You know, I believe that I want to get to the highest mountain I can, but I'm not going, I will not go there alone. 
I have learned um, that I will use different words, different ways. There's new ways to think about life and a lot of cooler things. So I want to bring as many people as I can with me to the top. And that group is going to be one of the strongest groups that I can possibly create, whether that's everyone either going to the gym together, we all go golfing together, we have a group chat that we can vent to and take care of one another, hold each other accountable, but also make sure that we're doing what we need to be doing. So there's, like I said, there's a lot to learn. I'm definitely on the path of learning a lot more now because a year and a half ago, two years ago, I didn't give a shit. Well, I was just focused on getting my job done, going home for the day and doing it all over again. It was my root. It was my, it was my routine. Wake up, go to work, come home, eat, do it, start all over. Now, like I haven't read a damn book since high school and I've read like nine. Well, I haven't read them audiobooks. Hey, that still counts. I'm the same way. I don't think I've actually read a book from front to back since like when I was a little nerd and was reading the Harry Potter books. Yeah. Um, same thing though. I got audible and, I'd say in the last two years, I've probably listened to two or three dozen different books. Yeah, there's a lot of good material out there. And it's it can be kind of intimidating because when you don't know what you want, but that's also the good thing. When you don't know what you want, everything is what you want because there's no wrong answer to it. And that's kind of what I've learned. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. So if you know you want to be successful, if you know you want a better body, a better mind, just a better life in general, you'll find those ways to come to you, whether that's work related or whatever it is. So being able to create something like this to fill in those voids that we currently don't have or don't know that they're voided out will be helpful. Definitely. 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 I think, uh, I think it'll be really fun. Honestly. Um, it's been fun learning. (laughs) It's been funny. At least it's always interesting doing something new like this. Plus also, like we said, we're, we're, I guess we're still the young kids when you work in an industry that is filled with 50 plus year olds. And then there's also the new kids that started like we did. So we, I, I thought about this like the last week or two, when we started working in the, in the oil and gas world or whatever we want to call it, that was right when the safety kind of thing was starting to take over. But we also grew up with the rise of technology. So we got to see so many different things change throughout the years. So there's, we get to be the middleman of working with the older generation, learning from them. And then we also get to learn with technology and with what the younger generation can potentially bring to us. So hopefully we can also be that common middle to bring everyone together. Yeah. I think that's, that is a good thing. I didn't even think about. We, uh, we grew up in a unique enough time getting into the industry into the blue collar life blue collar jobs like you were saying i do specifically recall you know i've worked with guys i worked with a dude when he was pipelining when he was 15 they drug pipe up the mountain with horses what yeah he's the one who probably taught me most of what i know about running up did he help chisel the fucking wheel <laughs> probably <laughs> old grouchy guy let's just say this guy he wouldn't tell us how old he was well, he wouldn't tell me because I was actually probably the only kid he talked to. He refused to talk to anyone under the age of 50. Um, <laughs> he had to have been in his early 70s, I'd say. Yeah. only thing he's done his whole life is pipeline. His dad had a pipeline company. Um, he said the only time he took off pipelining was two years to go to Korea. 
I'm uh, guessing that was for war. I'm guessing so. I hope so. <laughs> Why else would you want to go? <laughs> I don't know. Single guy? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Yeah, he... Uh, I don't even know if his career, now that I think about it, hell, it could have been World War One because he said the war. I'm just kind of assuming. <laughs> I'm just kind of assuming. I mean... Well, a lot has happened in those 70 years of his life. That's true. But yeah, he, he'd been pipelining since he was uh, 11 years old. He was a laborer for his dad, and he talked about dragging pipe up the mountain with horses. Oh, wow. Back then, the semis didn't even have enough power to get that high enough up the lease roads. Uh, he had some crazy stories, but the fact that I got to work with him and the fact that I also got to work with the guy, even though I'm relatively young or, you know, in the when I was doing Pipeline, I was 26, I think. So, you know, not old by any means, but I got to work with him and I also got to work with that 21 year old that just got out of college and wanted to come out here and tell us all these stats and just everything that he's learned in college saying how we're doing everything wrong exactly so i've got to see both sides of that and working you know working with guys who did stuff a completely different way than it is now and being being old enough to understand and adapt to like you were saying, that oil, especially in the oil and gas industry, the the safety crackdown. Yeah, because when I started, there was a lot. It, it was it was working its way in where you would have your your meetings and all that stuff. JSAs, you know, they weren't a, a very big thing. They were just kind of you. And if you better have one in case something bad happens, but it was also you spilt you spilt ten gall- gallons of geese, diesel. Just cover that up real quick and don't say anything. Yeah. Um, compared to now, there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of trainings and a paperwork trail for miles of just different qualifications you need. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that, that is a cool gap. I think that's a good point that we can fill, you know, being able not only to be a part of the big transition, but being able to work with guys on both sides of it, Yeah. you know, working with those guys who were telling stories about back when they didn't even drill horizontally yet. Everything was a vertical well. To, yeah. They're to, drilling straight to China. Yeah, they, <laughs> they they drilled fast. They drilled deep. They went and fracked the shit out of a well, and they all went home all in the same day. Mm-hmm. You know, all same couple of days. But back when it was it was accepted to have guys working forty eight hours straight to finish a well, you know, and then go home. Yeah, um, we grew up when I got into it. That was when that stuff was stopping. You know, that was a little bit after the first big push, but it was still when everybody was trying to figure it out. Yeah. And then, but still being able to work with the guys who did it the way it was before and then being part of the big transition and then just old enough to see the next wave coming in. Yeah, we're, we're now the old guys in the eyes of the new guys. Exactly. So the 19-year-olds now look at us as the old fuckers. Mm-hmm. And then the people that we look at old fuckers are dinosaurs. Yeah, they're, ret- <laughs> they're retired finally. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that'll be a cool gap to fill, I think, for sure. So yeah, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good first wrap for us. For social medias, we also, for the Blue Collar Syndicate show, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have TikTok, and we will have them in show notes. And if you want them, we have them now. Instagram, the the underscore blue collar underscore syndicate, because the people that had that before us, has not they have not used that account for many years and they don't want to give it up. Facebook is the blue collar syndicate podcast TikTok blue collar syndicate pod so we are on social media as you can tell episode one there's not much right now but you wait there will be a lot and it's going to be a fun journey for everyone that wants to join us 
Oh yeah, I have a whole diary like a thirteen-year-old girl <laughs> full of ideas. <laughs> so that'll be fun. So I hope you guys uh, tune in for the next few. This one's probably not too intriguing, but hopefully it's just enough to make you come back for the next one. Yeah, we're gonna leave you with a cliffhanger, so it's gonna be fun. Oh yeah, that'll hopefully get you excited. So as of now, enjoy, guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.